Well, good morning to you. Wow. With less sleep, you guys are more energetic. Well, happy spring break to you. Happy maskless Sunday to you. Can we just give God a, oh Lord. Some of you brushed your teeth for the first time in a couple years. Shaved maybe. Um, Took a look at yourself in the mirror and went, oh, that's me. Um, But it is so good to see most of your faces. And again, we just want everyone to feel comfortable, so no pressure to not wear a mask. Um, We just want this to be a loving community for everyone. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to pray before I open God's Word this morning, and we're in Ephesians chapter 2, so if you want to go there in your Bible and and just put your finger there. Um, But let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your love, Lord. And I thank you for this community, Father. A special group of people, specifically chosen to journey together at Northside. I pray a blessing on our time together, Lord, that you would be with us, be among us, be holding us together, be in our conversations, be in our worship, be in our serving that in everything we do, Jesus, we would see you more clearly in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Well, it is good, good, good to be here and to share with you. Um, We're in this season at Northside where we're going through the book of Ephesians, which is to be built up in Christ, We're also, as a church, rebuilding um, the basement, and and you'll see a lot more changes over the coming months as well. And it just seems to fit with where we're at, that what's happening physically is also happening spiritually. But not just that, it's also happening in our community that we feel this sense that God wants us to build up our community. Our vision statement at Northside Church is to be a loving community, that reaches, restores, and releases every person to expand God's kingdom. Now raise your hand if you're every person. (laughs) Good. Um, So we wanna be a loving community first and foremost. I feel like at times I've personally focused a little bit too much on the reach and the restore and the release, but I feel like this loving community part is somewhere to hover, so we've been there for a few weeks. And as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, we've talked about our personal life, that God would assess the foundation of our life. We looked at some of the mold that we might have inside of our personal lives, and we wanted God to cleanse that if you've been here the last few weeks. Then last week, we took a shift into our community, that how God is not just building us as individuals, but he's also building us as a church, as a community. Our theme verse this year is Ephesians 2.22. You two are being built together into a dwelling place by the Spirit. Now, not only is Paul saying that to individuals, that each individual is being built up to become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, but Paul is also speaking to the corporate body. He's also speaking to the church in Ephesus. 
And he says, you too, all of you, are being built together into a dwelling place for the Spirit. And next week, we'll get to look at what does it mean to be these living stones being built up into a temple for God. And so this week, we we take a shift into our corporate as well. And I wanted to look at kind of three areas of relationships. Community ultimately is relationships. First, we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with others, each other, your neighbor. And then we have a relationship with our family as well. Now, there are other relationships in our life, but these are the three I'm going to focus on for our church community this morning. And as I began to think about it, I I thought about God himself, the Trinity, And the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are co-eternal, they coexist, they are interconnected, inseparable, they are three, but they are one. And that is a mystery, right? The Trinity is a mystery. But the Trinity, to me, is perfect community, You see, God himself is community. God himself has relationship. God himself is a loving community. And not only that, but he has created the church to be an expression of community. And so it's not just that we gather here and go back to our lives, it's when we come together, we are many, but we express one. We are interconnected, relying on one another. We're not single individuals that are having a experience with God, we are a corporate community having an experience with God. And so in the perfect way that the Trinity and the mystery that the Trinity is a loving community, so are we. So are we. So I wanted to start this morning with our relationship with Jesus. My mouth is really dry today. I don't know what's going on. I just got to be real with you. I'll be drinking water this whole time. The lights are really warm. I feel like I'm in Arizona, but I'm here uh, I just got to be real for a minute. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what's going on. I might have to take off my jacket at some point. Anyone else warm? Is anyone else warm? Can we turn the AC on? That'd be awesome. Is that, no? Can we turn the AC on up in here? I, just, I don't know. Somebody? The fire of the spirit is here, but it's also physically very warm in this room. Moving right along. Our relationship with Jesus There's no wall that he won't kick down for relationship with us. There's no lie he won't tear down, and there's no mountain he won't climb. There is no wall that he won't kick down. In other words, he doesn't settle for isolation. Jesus doesn't settle for disconnection. Jesus doesn't settle for being separated from us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, he has broken down in the cross the dividing wall of hostility that was between us and him. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to, to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. In other words, what Paul is referring to here, he's referring theologically to the law and the commandments in the Old Testament, the 613 laws. This is what Paul theologically is referring to. But there's also a spiritual meaning for all of us is that Jesus came and he removed any wall between us and him. Any wall of sin, any wall of disconnection, any wall of separation, Jesus basically came and he kicked down a wall to have relationship with us. He removed the wall of hostility. We were born hostile to God. We are born as sinners, we are born hostile to him. Because sin is hostile to God. But it says that Jesus abolished the law. Now elsewhere, this is a little confusing, because elsewhere in Matthew 5, 17, it says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So we have these two. Did Jesus abolish the law? Did Jesus fulfill the law? Well, to me, it's both. (laughs) Because as Jesus came onto this earth and lived like us and lived as us, he fulfilled the requirements of the law. And because he fulfilled the requirements of the law, he fulfilled it and then took away our need to now live by the law. And so, in other words, the fulfillment of the law means that the, the walls of hostility between us and God And if you remember as well, even the way the temple was designed, there was the outer courts, the court of the Gentiles, and then you moved into the holy place, and then you moved into the holy of holies. And each point, there was walls that kept certain people out. A place for the Gentile, a place for the Jew, ultimately a place for only the high priest. And so you had this exclusiveness to the presence And Jesus comes along and he just kicks down every wall. No longer is there separation. No longer is there disconnection. Each person, wherever they're at, whatever they have done, can come to Jesus and there is no wall. In fact, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never put your faith in him, You've never begun following Jesus with your whole life. Or or maybe you've put up walls between you and Jesus. 
And you think these walls exist. You think patterns of thinking, habits that you've been living in, sin that you've been living in. You think that they've set up walls, but the amazing thing is that as you turn your heart to Jesus, there actually is no walls. There's no separation between you and God. There's an opportunity even right now, as I'm speaking to you, for you to just say, Lord, I turn my heart toward you. And he's there. He's right there, closer than your breath. Now, when Jesus fulfilled the law, he actually established a new law. And it has two commandments instead of 613. Does anyone know what these two commandments are? To love God and to love others. 613 laws, two. Now, most of us would go, that is super awesome. Is it harder to fulfill 613 laws or two? It's a trick question. (laughs) That was a trick question. It is. Two is harder. What's amazing is, is the 613 laws that became two, the two that Jesus asked us to live out, to love God and to love others, are both relationships. Relationships. Why are two, these two laws harder to fulfill than 613? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this. Is it harder to get married or is it harder to have a loving marriage? See, the law would say, oh, get married. You have a form and you're, you come to someone who can perform marriages and you get married and you get a certificate and you put it on the wall and it's there. So legally, you're married. That was easy. But having a loving marriage takes a lifetime. And see, so what happens is, is the law is set up to protect. The law is set up with regulations. The law has certain rules. But the law is not connection. The law is not community. The law is not love. And Jesus comes along and he fulfills the law and he establishes a new law with two commandments saying love God and love others. That should keep you busy. (laughs) And so we have this loving community. We have that, that God is more concerned. What God is saying to us is he says I'm more concerned about your connection than I am about your perfection. The law wants you to be perfect. And if you're not perfect, you get penalized. But God says, looking at his bride, looking at the church, looking at this community, he says, don't be perfect, but connect. I remember Jack Hayford said once, God is less concerned about your perfection and he's more concerned about your direction. But in community, in our loving community, God is less concerned about how perfect we're living, but he is very concerned about how much we actually connect. 
Because he lives in community, God is community, and he's created this to be community. And so perfection is the law, but connection is love. Perfection is rules, but connection is relationship. Relationship. At Northside, we are, we are in a season where we are not going after perfection. We're going after connection. What I mean by that is that um, performance is second to connection. I mean, our worship teams are unbelievable, excellent musicians, skilled, but what's more beautiful is their connection. Their connection to God, their connection to each other. And Jesus wants that connection in our community. And he wants that connection with us as individuals. And so he kicks down these walls. You know, the law can be funny. I don't know if you've ever gotten a speeding ticket. Anybody ever get a speeding ticket? Yeah, I've gotten a few in my life, but not for a long time. I'm quite proud of myself. I think I've gone... um, Actually, the last speeding ticket I had was at Canadian uh, Foursquare Convention in, in, in Canmore, uh, Alberta, a few years ago. I mean, I was cruising. Like, we had a rental car, windows down, and um, yeah, I entered a national park. I think they tricked me. But the speed limit changes, so you're clipping at like 110 go into a national park, it goes down, and I got pulled over, and that was the last ticket I got. But there are some funny laws in Canada. Like, for instance, and this might fuel a little bit of the East Coast, West Coast rivalry between Toronto and Vancouver. I mean, I'm from New York, so there's a little bit of a New York-LA rivalry. But here in Canada, you know, I'm sensing there's a little bit of a Toronto-Vancouver rivalry. So this might fuel it even more. Um, Did you know that in Toronto, It is illegal to drag a dead horse down the street on every day, on every day, um, except Mondays. (laughs) Did you know that? It's amazing. It's illegal. Let me just say it again for those that didn't quite hear it. It's illegal to drag a dead horse down Young Street on every day, I think, except Mondays. Um, that's, an, that's, apparently it isn't very neighborly. <laughs> I've been waiting all week to say that. <laughs> now, it's, it's funny because the law is, um, there's also some other funny laws. Did you know that it's illegal to scare a child? to death it's illegal to scare a child to death fathers be careful there are some pretty funny funny laws a lot that I can't um, share with you but I think the law is it's it sets up you know protection 
it's good, it, it protects. You know, we've been under quite a few new laws in the last couple of years with COVID, right? Distance, masks, this, wash your hand, blah, blah. I mean, we've had more laws in the last two years around everything to do with COVID. Now, they're set up to protect. But protection also can lead to restriction. Protection can also lead to restriction. Protection can also lead to a loss of freedom. And so what, what is set up to protect, and it, it, it is, we're here now not masked because of these laws that were set up to protect, it can feel restricting, right? And so if we looked at the Old Testament, these 613 laws were, were to keep the people of God alive going through the desert. Some of them were just like, don't eat seafood when it's been sitting out in the sun for five days. How many know that's a good law? I would still apply that to my own life. So they, they had these laws that were put in place, and many of them were, were you know, cultural. Many of them were ceremonial. Many of them were um, because of the conditions they were living in, and they were set up to protect. But, you know, along comes Jesus in the cross, and so many of those laws were restricting. So many of those laws were keeping people from being free. And they were living, they were trying to live according to the law in perfection, and they never actually had personal connection. And so Jesus comes along and he kicks down the wall of hostility. He fulfills the law. He abolishes the law. He removes the law from being the thing that would, the people would relate to God through. And he says, instead of relating to God through a series of regulations, now you're going to relate to God through relationship. And instead of the law, you have love. And each person has a personal connection with God available to them. That was revolutionary. So for thousands of years, the law pointed out the severity of sin, the consequences of sin, the need for a savior. For thousands of years, the law pointed out humanity's inability to fulfill the law. For thousands of years, the law presented, okay, humans not good at following directions, and in all of that, the thousands of years of pointing out all that humanity could not do, Jesus comes along and he says, I have paid the penalty of sin. He says, I have provided eternal life for those that believe. I am the final sacrifice. I have fulfilled the law. And so the law provides evidence for sentencing. The law provides evidence for sentencing. I remember when I was a young person and I, I went to a, a sports store. It was called um, Bob's Store. But it was a big sports store in the States and, and I saw this, this pair of Notre Dame um, boxer shorts. And I love Notre Dame. They're my university team, they're my football team. I love them. Go Fighting Irish. In fact, the first um, song that I hummed to my kids was the, um, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish fight song. Yeah, there it was with my kid. Sonia's like, what are you doing? It's a lullaby. It's my lullaby. Anyway, I learned a few more since then, but, but I saw these boxer shorts, and they were just 
They had to be mine. But I didn't buy them. I stole them. I put them in my shorts and I walked out. And then I got caught. And the amazing thing is I'm outside the store and I got caught stealing these Notre Dame boxer shorts. And I look in the store and I see my brother Luke walking out as well with a security guard. And he got caught stealing. And I was like, why'd you steal? He's like, I I didn't want to leave you hanging. (laughs) What? I love you, Luke. Connection. (laughs) Now I fulfilled my community service. I went to a class called Stop Lift. Very clever, very clever. And we did community service and I, I served my penalty. And at the end of that, it wasn't like I served my penalty and I felt like good. See, the law, even paying the penalty never feels good. When you pay a ticket, you never feel good about losing $150. Parking tickets, like $80 for for parking outside J.J. Bean for five minutes too long? It's ridiculous around here. Anyway, I digress. But the point is, you never feel good. The law never feels good. Following it, paying for it, all this stuff. It doesn't really, there's no relationship with the law. The law brings boundaries, but the cross brings freedom. Doesn't mean we go on sinning. It means that Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins. Jesus became the gate to salvation. So not only do we have a relationship with God that I want to talk about this morning, but we have a relationship with each other, with each other. And in a loving community, healthy walls are built. And so on one hand, the walls of hostility are brought down, but then in a healthy community, we do build healthy walls. And in Nehemiah, um, we read this. So we built the wall... And all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. There's something about that phrase, a mind to work, that jumped off the page as I was reading Nehemiah 4. That they built the wall, but their mind was to build. Their mind was in it. Their mind was focused And what I want to encourage or challenge us with as a community at Northside is, do we have a mind to build connection? In other words, do we prioritize connection? Are there areas where we could be building community a little bit better? Are there areas where we can come together and really put our minds to it? Because what happens is, is as they built together, as they had a mind to work and they, can, they built the wall, in 52 days they completed this wall. So if we were today to say, let's take 52 days to build up some more community, that would take us to April, Wednesday, April 27th. What do you think we could do to build community? What do you think we could do for 52 days to build community here at the church? And I'm actually asking you. And so I have a, um, I have a Sharpie somewhere, maybe. 
Oh, thank you very much. Do you just carry that around or was that on the chair? Oh, wow, you guys are awesome. So, so what do you think? Let's play, we're going to write these down. What could we do to build community? No wrong answers here. Say that again. Volunteers? Okay. Yes? New groups. What kind of groups? You have one on your mind? Power of the Praying Parents. PPP. Love it. Anyone else? Yes. Barbecue. Did someone just say, mmm? Yeah. Good old ribs, huh? Just barbecue. Yes. Anyone else? Coffee? Coffee? And chat. A little chat, huh? Yeah? Are you an extrovert? Yeah, a little extrovert. Cooking class? Okay. Anyone else? What is it? High tea? Oh, hiking. <laughs> Communication, right? There's community. Hiking. Yes. Running club. I'm going to start that. I'm going to put my name next to that, Joel. Anyone else? Say that again? Playgroup. Like for parents? Oh, for kids. <laughs> okay. Prayer. There's a spiritual one. Prayer, right? Like ministry time. Of course, the pastor's going to add that, right? Now, I want to ask you something. This is a short list. We could go on all day, I'm sure. Is this hard? The answer is no. This isn't hard. It just requires a mind to work. The other thing, for the most part, none of these ideas came from staff. Because there's something about community that we all want, we all have ideas for, we all desperate, we could, we could list a whole bunch of things. And I've had emails from people over the last few weeks and they've told me this, they've said, I love that we're talking about community, but we need the how. And I feel like the how is in all of us. The how is not just in a leader or in a few leaders saying, hey, this is what we've got going on this month. It's, it's, hey, come over to my house for a barbecue. Hey, let's do the praying parent together. Hey, let's go for coffee and a chat. All of these things we either do in our life already, this is the amazing thing, because I'm sure a lot of what we've named we do already, and it's just let's do this together. And so again, I think there is this, and we will, we'll, we'll do some of these, like, and we'll plan some of them. I was, I was being, I was kind of joking about that, but we'll plan some of these. But the point is that we can begin to see how 
Community can be built by us just inviting others to do what we love doing. Inviting others to do what we love doing. Amen, amen. Okay, so we've got ourselves, we've got each other, and then we have our family. The Lord put it on my heart pretty strongly that um, strong marriages lead to strong families, lead to a strong church, leads to a strong community. Strong marriages lead to strong families, lead to a strong church, lead to a strong community. Nehemiah, in chapter 4, used the families to build the walls. It says, in the lowest points of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans or by their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And so Nehemiah took the families, the clans, and he stationed them at the low points of the wall. And the families rebuilt that section of the wall. And the families were equipped, it says elsewhere, they had a tool in one hand and they had a weapon in the other. It says even when they went for water, they had the weapon. And so families are not just families that are comfortable with each other. Families build together. Families fight together. Families equip each other. Families are our first point of community. And often if we don't have, a, if we don't grow up in a loving home or a great community in our, as we grow up, then we don't end up knowing what a good community looks like in our family. But God has called us to restore families. God has called us to restore marriages, to create healthy marriages and healthy families. And so many times we talk about, you know, the divorce rates in Canada, and we talk about how bad marriages are doing, but I actually want to tell you something. That is false. Statistics show this. Divorce rate is the lowest it's been in 50 years. In 50 years. They're saying that marriages, I'm saying for the most part, because we're all going to think of other examples, but for the most part, marriages have gotten stronger during covid they said 58% of couples say COVID has made them appreciate their spouses more. Divorce has been on a decline for 22 years. Younger couples are actually more committed. Since 1990, younger couples, 20 to 25 years old, divorce has decreased 43%. Like, that's really good news. I think that's amazing. Families are armies, parents are generals, 
of those armies. And then Paul says this, this healthy family, this healthy community, he says the household of God is the church, that the church is a family. And so there's three areas that I wanted to um, focus on over the next few months. There are three areas to build strong families. There are three areas to build a strong church. It's connection, that we would be connected. Connected. The second is that we would be engaged. Hopefully you can read my writing. If not, oh well. And then we would be committed. Committed. Connected, that we would be connected. Engaged, involved, right? And committed, we would be here. And and these three areas are how you build a strong community. That we would find points to fit together. Instead of going for coffee alone, we would go with a friend. Instead of hiking alone, we'd hike with a friend. And that connection builds community. Engagement is finding points to respond. And I would just have to say, um, your engagement the last month has been amazing. I just want to say, like, the encouragement to our worship teams and just to us as leaders, you have been such an encouragement. And it's not all about response, right? Because we're not performing. But the level of engagement is just, poof. And that builds community. And commitment. Commitment. We need to rearrange our schedules for community. It can't be the last thing we do. It's almost like, and this might be old school, but it's almost like community goes in the center and everything else revolves around that. So whether that's a life group, whether that's a prayer meeting, whether that's a men's group, women's group, hiking time, whether that's Sunday morning time, whether that's Sunday evening time, whatever that might be within this church community, that's, everything revolves around that to build community. And again, with connection, we're not going for perfection, we're going for connection. So connection is messy, connection needs a lot of grace, connection in relationship involves failure, connection in relationship involves, oh, that person said the wrong thing at the wrong time, and so connection is messy, engagement is messy, commitment is messy, all of these things are messy. I'm not asking us to join something easy, church is not easy, somehow church has become something on a schedule in our lives, but it's not just that it's not an hour and a half on a Sunday morning it's it's community is everything that we are a loving community and my life revolves around that loving community I put I put time for that and then everything else is around that and the same goes for our families we will not have a connected family an engaged family or a committed family to one another if we don't make the time 
Does my family spend time together? Do we eat together? Do we do fun things together? All of these kind of simple things, but they're actually deeply meaningful things when it comes to community. Are my kids on screens all day and all night? Man, yesterday, I think my kids were on screens for like six hours. It was like, I mean, we're, we're preparing for friends to come over, but it, it, was, it was just like, at the end of the day, I was just like, oh my goodness, like, that's crazy. It's crazy that we allow that to happen. As families this spring break, I want to prioritize this, that I would be connected with my kids. Connected with my wife. Connected with friends. Engaged. You know, like when your kid's telling you something, it's the most important thing in their life, and you're like, oh my, you had me lost at Ninjago, right? You had me lost at Paw Patrol. But I'm going to stop, and I'm going to engage. And I'm committed. Like, I'm, I, I put time with my kids on my calendar. And so I'm committed, right? And all of these things, together with all of this, this is how we begin building loving community. Are you excited? I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And um, I want to pray for us for this message, and then I want to, yeah. Father, thank you that you are, you're with us, Lord, and you are, you're committed to us, and you're engaged with us, and you're connected to us, Lord. I thank you that you establish points of connection in so many ways, you chase us down, you run after us, you want connection with us, Lord. I thank you that, that you desperately are engaged in our prayer life and in our worship, and, and when we pause and we are silent, that you are there and you are engaged with us. And I thank you for your unbelievable commitment, Lord, to our lives, to building us up, Lord, as individuals and as a loving community, Lord. And we pray for the same for our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.